Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Scene and Nominate podcast. This is episode four, title more, most likely be beauty. So this has been quite some time since we've gotten to have some fun with a podcast. I do apologize for the bit of silence on Facebook as far as posts go. I really just kind of attribute that to life and end of the semester, really. But I hope everybody had a blessed Christmas and a happy New Year's. Um, though it is no longer the Christmas season, I'm still going to wish you all a Merry Christmas. So, few announcements. One, I do plan for this semester to try to get podcasts out at least monthly. Maybe more often, more likely just once a month. With that, I do have the intention of making sure the next podcast does have a guest. Because I'm sure you guys are all getting bored of me, and I am rather boring. And also, I do plan to also to get these podcasts up onto iTunes and Google Play somehow. I think I know how to do it, but I'm not sure. So I plan to get that all figured out. Okay, so I don't know what you guys did on your break. Mine was kind of boring and kind of long. Well, not really boring, but it was very long, too long. Um, I know that there's some of you out there who went to the SLS the Student Leadership Summit in Chicago on the January 2nd through the 6th. That was a ton of fun. If you don't know what it's about, uh, really the only thing you would really need to know is that Jim Caviezel made a surprise presence there and gave a really, really inspirational talk. And also that Dr. Crafe was there um, and Bishop Barron. That was pretty much the highlights of that. Besides that, at least for me, um, I spent almost two weeks doing absolutely nothing, bored out of my mind, and then spent these last two weeks here being very busy. So the topic, as I briefly mentioned, is going to be beauty. Really the only precedence for me wanting to do this is that I went to a couple talks on it at the uh, SLS thing, as well as just kind of random things popping up last semester that were just kind of like, hey, why not talk about this? because I do think it is actually a rather relevant thing to talk about now. But before we get into that, I would like to open up in a little prayer from the Psalms. This is going to be from Psalm 19. So, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard, yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words the end of the end of the world. In them he has sent he has set a tent for the sun, which comes forth like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. It's rising from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Amen. Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So, for this topic of beauty, it's just going to probably be more of random thoughts with Matthew than with really any organized argument or anything like that. So, this is still kind of theology-philosophy oriented, but you won't really have the logical side of it. Really, I think the most I'll get with that is I'm just going to kind of touch on something I saw from Dr. Peter Kraft of just kind of the way his outlook of um, what he calls the transcendentals of uh, truth, beauty, and goodness. From what 
I know or what I understand of how he describes it is that we have God, or really, um, I think what he calls being, and I think it, he refers to God. I don't think it's more of like the, um, if you're philosopher oriented, you might understand the uh, term Dasein or the German German word for being that's got more of a poetic definition to it. I don't know if it's referring to that or to God, but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming to God. So he starts from, uh, you have being, and then from there you have truth, which is what he describes as the effulgence of being. So we have truth, which brings forth, shines forth uh, truth. And from there we have goodness, which comes from truth. Um, from what I understand, it is that goodness is defined by truth and not by the will, because some people think that goodness is kind of is tied into morals, which is tied into actions, so the will. But it's not by the will, it's by uh, the truth. Though the will, okay, goodness is defined by truth, not by will, which is good only when conforms to the truth of being. Okay, yeah. So then from goodness, we have beauty. So beauty is defined by goodness and this is objective like objectively real goodness this is not like um what people will kind of consider consider beauty to be more of a subjective thing where there is that but we're not talking about like subjective desires or pleasures or that kind of thing we're talking about real objective goodness that is beauty so that is kind of like the ontological structure that Dr. Crave sets up. And I think this is something he adopts, not really adopts, but shares with C.S. Lewis, which I think is where he get this, gets this from. So then we pretty much have this strain that goes, we start with being, and then we move from there to truth, and then from truth to goodness, and then from goodness to beauty. That's just one thing that I found interesting that I thought I'd share. So now after this, I just kind of like put down questions and write them thoughts that I thought I would expand on. So the next thing I've got down is really what do we consider beautiful and is it really beautiful, whatever we consider. After going through a couple talks, or really just one talk, but um, at SLS, about this is more oriented towards church beauty, but I'm going to kind of broaden it to just beauty in general. Like really what do we consider nowadays as beautiful? Because I see a lot of stuff of like this isn't really beautiful that we like the society will try to claim is beautiful. It's really just kind of like ugly. Um, and this is something I did take from the talk was that people nowadays are becoming addicted to ugliness. They much prefer to see the ugly than the beautiful. And really I can, I would testify to that. I mean, we see what's advertised. We see what's on media. We see what people consider art. Uh, not all, not all contemporary art. Most of it, I would argue, but, most of that is just not real beauty. It's just either ugly or it could be considered beautiful, but it's not the fullness of beauty. It just stops at the object itself, which actually, this is a sweet segue into another point that I had. When we look at objects, do we consider them to be something beautiful and then that's it? Like, if you look at a sunset or you look at some mountains and you're like, that's really beautiful and just stop there normally i would think is that you consider that and then you want to consider something what goes beyond that 
and then this kind of changes that beautiful thing into an icon in the uh, in church sense, because we know an icon by definition is a window into something greater. Um, so we have like a window of or an icon. I mean, of like I don't know Saint Irenaeus or something, somebody. And you have that icon, but it's not supposed to stop at that in, that icon, that image of St. Irenaeus. It's supposed to point towards something beyond it. And in, in doing that, it becomes a window to see a new facet of God. Because that is essentially what all of us are. I mean, every human being is unique because each human being represents a unique and part of the infinite... Uh, infiniteness of God, if that makes sense. So in the same way, we can kind of see that in creation, we can see that in the things that are beautiful. As we might see a beautiful piece of art or a beautiful piece of music, we kind of are shown something from the create, not the create, like the maker or the artist behind it. But even more than that, we can look beyond it and see something. This points towards God's beauty. You can look up into the sky, see the stars. Um, I have a weird obsession with black holes. You can look into that kind of stuff and see that you are viewing that God is more powerful than what you see. So you can look at a black hole, for instance, and be like, this thing is so deadly. It is so massive. And it just consumes everything. And God's more powerful than that, infinitely more so. You see... And look at the size of the universe you look at the size of the galaxy and you're like this is crazy it's huge but then it's like but god's even more than that infinitely so and so everything starts to become a window it, you look beyond it and it becomes very fascinating and honestly i would think from there you can start looking at bigger things like that and then move on to maybe even some of the smaller things and then look down to like the microscopic level and say like you see the relationship between protons and neutrons and quarks and all that stuff and you're like this is this is crazy of how it's all ordered and organized and yet i don't know points to something greater ooh another point so another thing i heard um and i think this is kind of another good definition of what you can consider beautiful is that Something is beautiful insofar as it reveals some part of its ontological nature. So, for instance, we could say a cat, because cats are awesome, and say that because the cat meows, because the cat likes to throw up hairballs, because the cat loves to eat food from time to time and loves to sleep, all of that is simply it's expressing its nature, its ontological nature as a cat, its catness to look at it from a Thomistic perspective. Because of that, not only A, giving glory to God by simply abiding by its nature, but it is also beautiful in the objective sense because of that. Because of what I, just, I mentioned earlier, of something being truthful, good, like being true, good, and beautiful. It's cat is beautiful because it is good, and it is good because it is true. Because through all of that, it is giving glory to God and it is expressing God through its nature, through its catness. So that's an interesting thing, that through all that, 
you're able to see that like even just applying to like the human beings now we could like move on to this like if we are to truly be human that we could give just simple glory to god by what we do and i think this helps especially with um even like the more simpler and like annoying tasks in our lives and it doesn't even have to be being like doing human things like eating or pooping or thinking like stuff like that it could just even be more of like daily the daily grind you're going to work every day or you're doing homework or something like that it's boring it could be monotonous but through that you're you could be able to give glory to god because a you could not only offer that up but then you can just also kind of consider it as like this pseudo part of your nature of like this is what i do um yeah that rough switch into different thoughts because that one ended uh i've got another thing on here listed as music i'm going to kind of try to keep this limited because i could rant for days on this specifically i'm just gonna go straight to what i'm wanting to get at and that's like maybe like music at the mass you know what maybe even just the mass in general what i've noticed in today's culture especially in the past like two three weeks is that people especially young young people youngins my age they have a desire for beauty in the mass especially and not only that a desire for something reverent and beautiful i see masses with music and we're going to focus on music because we want to keep that incorporated so we have some legitimacy here in the topic we look at the ma the music and there's a you know a nice a good a little trend here of contemporary music being put throughout the mass and i'm not gonna i'm gonna say like you know some of it's good some of it's nice it's reverent some of it is just not really meant to be in the context of the mass and it might not even be that you know like sure there might be some songs that do have some like quasi-heretical lyrics to them some of them don't some of them are all like adhering to catholic teaching but at the same time there is a i'm going to call fittingness to use thomas saint thomas aquinas's language there's a certain fittingness with the music and if you're gonna put a bunch of upbeat like happy pappies like jesus high stuff into the mass then really that is not the proper place for it praise and worship sure adoration maybe but the mass definitely not and i'm going to say that because a i've experienced it multiple times and to be honest it does kind of kill any desire for contemporary worship music at least for me um and with that you're like you have to think like what is the mass the mass is we're going through a bunch of we're praying and we're giving thanksgiving to god but at the same time we have to understand that god was he was the very one who gave us the mass so for us to incorporate something that is not proper to it we are taking the mass and we're altering it we're making it ours but it's not ours it's god's and so we can look at papal documents we know that the magisterium the holy see it's guided by the Holy Spirit. So what they say is what we must adhere to. And 
then people might, you know, I don't know. I have not run into this. And I don't know, even know if it's the thing. I'm just going to say it anyway. Like, maybe people might pull, like, oh, why are you following all these rules? You don't need to do that. It's fine. I'm like, no, really, it's kind of not. Now, we also have to be careful, though, not to become a liturgist and start being super nitpicky. But we need to understand that if you're going to be in the context of the Mass, we need to have music that's nice and reverent. Um, what's been expressed as most desirable is chant, which, I mean, it's, it's kind of a beautiful thing. Uh, another thing could be, like, a cappella. I mean, there... If you want to have music in the mass, it needs to be reverent and beautiful. Sure, you could put some contemporary music in there as long as it's reverent and seems fitting, the fittingness. That's important. But back to people's desires, like seeing young people desire something that I've seen a growing desire for young people and young people for something reverent and something beautiful again. Like going to Protestant church services or stuff like that and saying that, yeah, I mean, it was it was enjoyable. Um, I mean, sure, I would agree with them. But is it really something that cuts to the heart? Is it something that really, really finds something deep and meaningful? Not really, if I'm honest. Because we have a time and an age where people don't really know what reverence is or really what respect is in general. You can look at how people dress in the mass from time to time, sweatpants, sweatshirt. I mean, this is just me and my thought process, but I mean, like, we're going to be here to worship the God of the creator of the universe. I mean, if you're going to visit a king or the president, I mean, I don't think he would dress in sweatpants and sweatshirt, but... I mean, if that's what you do, I would, I mean, I don't know, because I wouldn't do that if I was going to visit the president, and I mean, we're thinking about the king and creator of the universe here. I mean, I'd want to dress my best personally, but besides the point, beauty, music, it's all great. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening this far. I do plan, as I said at the top, I do plan to get a, a guest for the next podcast and to hopefully get this stuff up on iTunes and maybe Google Play. If it costs money, then I probably won't, but I don't think it does. So comment down below also if you know of any platforms that would be convenient to like put this podcast up on for you guys. I know you're probably just like five or six people, but that may still be kind of helpful. Um, thanks for listening and God bless.